Welcome, everyone, to the Four Peers and Beers podcast. The future of real estate, also known as Four, is South Florida's largest commercial real estate networking group. We've podcast because, unfortunately, due to COVID, we can't have our awesome in-person networking events platform to highlight our four members' businesses. My name is Jonathan Rosen. I'm the founder of Four, also JLL retail broker focusing on urban and high street retail leasing in South Florida. Alongside me, as always, you know, we have Tyler Della Pena, co-host of the Stars. Say hey, Ty. Thanks, John. Tyler Della Pena, office leasing at Colliers International on both the landlord and tenant side of the business and co-host of the Stars. Is that what we're doing this week? I'm, I'm switching it up. This is the third okay. week, something new. I like it. You're the co-host of the Stars today. Uh, we have an excellent guest, an excellent guest, Kara Morabito. Hey, Kara. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to finally be asked. <laughs> we are happy to have you on. Tried, tried me, tried me immediately, two minutes in. Uh, but yeah, th- thanks for being on. We're really excited to talk to you today. Uh, for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar with Karen, and what she does, she is a leasing representative at Inventrust in charge of the entire state of Florida, handling their grocery anchored shopping centers throughout the state in excess of 2 million square feet. That's a lot of real estate, Kara. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot to handle, but keeps me busy. There we go. That's good to hear. So I guess let's kick it off as always. If you wouldn't mind, Kara, just telling us yourself, what you do, how you got started in the business, all that good stuff. Let's, let's hear about you. Yeah, sure. So I went to Florida State University, the best university Great, in Knowles. all the Knowles, land. <laughs> Um, and I actually didn't go to school for real estate. Um, I was going to school and I was going to try to go to PA school, which is a physician assistant. So I was kind of on the medical route, um, taking a lot of science classes and I was pretty interested in it, in studying that, uh, field. But as I started to, you know, come closer to graduating school, I was kind of thinking about my day-to-day life after college. And I was just thinking like, I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital. It's not really my personality type. I don't think it's something that would make me happy. So um, my brother, who's nine years older than me, actually gave me some advice. And he was just saying like, hey, you know, why don't you just start getting work experience, like real world, world experience, and you could always go back to school. Like don't jump into it, spend money and time, and then end up hating your job after That's great that. advice. So um Yeah, I'm really happy he told me that back then. But uh, so my roommate at the time, Liz Powers, who um, has been involved in real estate down here, too, uh, she her she was going into the commercial real estate field. And so I kind of got introduced to it that way. Um, And then I graduated. I was kind of working for my nephew's school, actually being a preschool teacher, which was awesome (laughs) for a summer. And um, and then finally, I kind of got connected um, through a friend from school to Beth Azor, who's very well known uh, down here the in South Florida. Queen. She has, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's always in red. You can't miss her. Um, but she's a very big name down here. She's been in the industry for over 30 years, I believe. Uh, she trains le- leasing agents throughout the country. She was the president of Terra Nova down here for a while. So she has um, been very influential in a lot of uh, retail real estate 
people's lives down here and especially in my life. Um, so she hired me with no experience whatsoever. Um, we j- just kind of clicked and she told me like, I'll train you, I'll teach you everything you need to know. And then I'll find you a great job after a couple of years. And I was like, well, that sounds That's awesome. Deal. <laughs> so, great person to learn from. Yeah. So she's awesome. We're best friends now. Like she's a huge part of my life still That's and great. probably will always be. Yeah. But, um, so, so she trained me and it was awesome. Like she has a, she owns a couple shopping centers down here in South Florida and, um, and I was just with her every day on the road in the office, everything she did, I followed her. So I learned that way. Um, and it was great. I couldn't have picked anybody better to learn from. And then recently this year, actually in COVID, um, I got connected through Beth to one of her best friends, Ivy Grainer. He's an awesome woman, a big name in the industry too. And she connected me out to my company now in Ventress Properties, which we are a grocery anchored REIT. Uh, it's at, we're national, but I handle the state of Florida. Um, and she said, hey, I think we will have an opening in Florida because they didn't have a leasing agent down here. Um, so I kind of got lucky again, <laughs> my second time getting lucky and joined in May. And I've been with them since then. And I love it. It's a great company. People who work tend to get lucky. <laughs> Always yeah, with the I would quotes. like to think that. I love it. <laughs> From your uh, but yeah, that, that was a great intro. Thanks, Kara. Uh, Tyler, do you want to kick it no off? Problem. I know we've prepped some some pretty good questions for Kara. We're going to grill her, not too hard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you want you want to kick it off, Tyler? Absolutely. Um, Kara, thank you for being on the podcast today. So of course. With uh, with we're we're pretty much right, you know, in the middle of this, this big spike again in coronavirus, unfortunately. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few questions COVID related first being uh, throughout your grocery anchored shopping centers, throughout your shopping centers, Mm -hmm. what has the impact been from COVID going back to March? And then I guess even, you know, today is there, what's the impact today? Sure. So I started in May with my company, which was crazy because obviously that was like in the midst of Uh, quarantine and just probably the worst part of of COVID as far as lockdowns Um, and I started and they kind of just threw me into uh, immediately working on a bunch of deferrals of rent and abatement that sounds fun yeah it was it was really tough actually and it was tough because you know you're dealing you're the landlord and you're supposed to keep everything in line and you know we want to get rent and we want to get rent and we want to get paid but everyone's closed and you got to feel for these people, you know, like, obviously, it's, it's a horrible time. And you're dealing with local tenants, and they are scared, they're going to lose their business, which is their whole life. So it was it was really, it was crazy, actually. But um, so I started doing that. And, and we were doing a lot of deferrals and abatements. And it, it was a tough negotiation. But honestly, I think that it uh, probably made my negotiating skills, you know, a lot stronger. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that in the end, you know, I'll look back and yeah, take away something from that time. But um, so yeah, in the beginning, obviously, it was crazy stores were closed, nobody could pay their rent, we were structuring a lot of deferrals and abatements, which for people who aren't aware what that means, a deferral is just deferring the rent into the future, You usually set up some type of payment structure. And then abatement is uh, pretty much just forgiveness of rent, Uh, they don't ever have to pay it back. So uh, we were kind of tying, yeah, we were tying those into renewals. Um, So if tenants were coming up pretty soon, we would see if they want to extend and then kind of um, push the rent out into 2021. So that was then. And then now things have actually gotten a lot better. We've seen um, 
tenant sales pretty much get back to normal. Um, there's some people who are still like maybe 10, 20% down in sales, but a lot of tenants are back to normal. And obviously where we are in Florida, it's pretty much open. It's the like greatest state in the U S right <laughs> now but for retail. Yeah. For retail at least. And um, so, yeah, so tenants are pretty much, hopefully a lot of them are almost back to normal now. Well, that's great. That, that sounds stressful though. Cause we obviously deal with that a little bit in the office world, but I would imagine dealing with, I don't want to call it mom pop type retailers, but that's just a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine that's tough. Um, yeah. It's really but, tough. And then, yeah. well, you have to imagine too, how many small tenants you probably have because you handle the entire state of Florida and all of these huge shopping centers. That's it's right probably right. not just one or two you're talking to. You're probably talking to dozens. Yeah, it was crazy. Like we, we split it up where uh, if their lease is coming up in the next 18 months, the leasing agents handled it. And then the other tenants, the property managers would handle it because uh, it was just so it was almost every tenant who was asking for this uh, rent relief, you know, so it, it was a lot. Kara, I couldn't agree with you more, though. The people that are, are going through what just as far as these negotiations and, you know, having to deal with uh, these situations, just going to make you that much better when this is all said and done. So I, I could not agree more. Um, you know, I'm curious, the tenants that you were having to speak with about rent deferrals and, and whatnot, is there a specific industry or what, what would you say are the main tenants that were, were hit the hardest and struggling the most? Mm-hmm. So uh, it was kind of a number of, of types of uses in the beginning, obviously, uh, in the very beginning, I would say service and gyms were probably hit the, um, because they weren't allowed to sense. be open whatsoever. Um, whereas restaurants, they, they did have the opportunity to, to do takeout. Um, and people were mm-hmm. very scared and some people may even still be pretty scared to go into a gym or even go get their haircut because you're in very close proximity with the person who, you know, is either giving you a haircut or maybe, training you and things like that. So uh, those are probably the worst affected. That makes sense. Um, and then today with Florida being open, hallelujah. Um, and and I, can, <laughs> I, I know I'm, I think in residential, I know office side, I, I've talked to John about this before, the amount of people coming out of New York and, and coming out of the Northeast is unbelievable. So I'm curious, is there, is there an industry or a, a tenant base that is in growth mode right now that's expanding like crazy and, and looking for space? Sure. Yeah. So um, now with COVID and kind of like the shift in how people um, eat out and, you know, what they're Mm -hmm. comfortable with, I would say that quick service restaurants and maybe uh, not necessarily fast food, but restaurants that are are now opening with drive throughs they're kind of expanding uh, the most. And also there were trends that we were seeing before COVID, like I mentioned, drive throughs or maybe pickup windows um, that are now just kind of very very important like we already saw it going in that direction and now it's a no like they won't do a deal if they can't get a drive-through kind of thing so um i'd say quick service restaurants are expanding uh now because some of them are doing even better in covid than they were before which is kind of crazy because people are sick of cooking because in quarantine you literally cooked every meal for three months um and some people are also at the same time, scared to maybe sit in a crowded dining room. So they, uh, the quick service restaurants are doing, you know, some of them are doing fairly well. So those, those ones are expanding. Medical tenants are expanding. And I'm also seeing a lot of, yeah, I'm also seeing a lot of um, like kind of med spa ish type tenants where they have like 
maybe uh, vitamin infusions um, and IV drips and stuff. These are in more like high-end uh, markets or more affluent markets. Uh, we need I those for our Saturday morning. I, de- I definitely need, need an those. IV drip. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like a shift, or not a shift, but... Um, health. You know, they're focused on yeah, wellness. That makes sense. Yeah, health and, yeah, keeping your immune system up. So I have been seeing them open up now, too. Very cool. That That's that's interesting. John, I have, aren't you, don't you have a, uh, a quick service, fast casual group we're working with? Actually, we, <laughs> why, thank you for bringing that up. We actually represent Raising Canes throughout South Florida. Oh, wow. Who are actively oh, expanding. Looking for drive-through, double drive-throughs, acres, more or less, purchase or ground lease. Wow. Shameless plug. I appreciate that, Tyler. The chicken is to die for. Huh. To die for. The sauce, even better. Wow, it's great. That's awesome. Uh, I got to get one of them in my sauce. We'll, we'll have to talk after this. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, thank you, Tyler and Kara, uh, for that. But so I, I have some questions. Obviously, I am also in retail real estate as well. So this podcast episode was specifically interesting to me, albeit everyone is interesting, but this one is very close to home. And you know, I have a couple questions because I know you not only lease centers just in South Florida, which probably the majority of our mm-hmm. listeners are from, but you also have centers in Central Florida, West Florida, correct? Yeah, yeah, I have centers um, all over Orlando, and then we have centers on the West Coast of Florida in Sarasota, St. Pete, and um port charlotte so they're kind of all over the state I gotcha say. so would you say between the south florida centers that you handle and the other ones further north what what do you think the activity levels are like because i only know the south florida market you know, granted because this is where i work you cover mm-hmm. a lot more ground do you think the activity in your south florida centers is you know second to none in comparison to the others that you work on or are they more balanced out? <laughs> yeah. I just don't know what it's like in, in other areas. So I'm always curious. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, the South Florida centers, you can tell uh, there's a lot more activity going on down here, I would say, than my uh, centers in either Central Florida or West Florida. Um, I, I think, you know, South Florida is always a really hot market. And it's always kind of there's just the population down here is insane. Right. So. There's a lot of uh, tenants wanting to open up multiple locations here. And now, as Tyler mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, there's a huge influx of people moving down to South Florida from the Northeast, which like every day, I feel like there's a new person moving in who's like, oh, yeah, from New York, from New York, from New York. So it's like a bunch of people coming down here. Um, So obviously, you know, the retailers uh, are aware of that or should be. And and Florida is open. South Florida is wide open. So not only is there a huge influx of people moving here, but also there's not as many restrictions. So there is a lot of retailers coming down here, a lot of quick service restaurants, um, other kinds of concepts coming down to South Florida to open up business. Maybe they were in New York and now their restaurant is completely failed because, you know, all the shutdowns and the reclosing now. So they're kind of moving their businesses, uh, which is like essentially their livelihood down yeah. here. Yeah, we see that to too. Uh, a lot in Brickle. A lot of demand in Winwood and Miami Beach mm-hmm. from these a lot of New York restaurant groups because they a lot of them also mm-hmm. just have either a second home here or they want to get another apartment so they're going to come to Miami because they're they're still optimistic about their restaurant in New York long term if they're well capitalized right. enough but perfect excuse right. now it's like hey I've been thinking about this for a while screw it now's the perfect time an excuse to be down here six months out of the year and I can't blame them yeah. for that. 
it's like an extended vacation for a lot of people working from home. Yeah. For us on the deal side, because, you know, you obviously see the headlines with retail and just COVID in general for everyone's business type. But the, the desirability of the software market, I think, keeps everyone afloat and moving forward, mm -hmm. which is good for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And another thing, too, um, kind of just to go off of the whole New York to Florida move that people are doing is um, and I guess kind of going off of like who's expanding and what they're looking for. A lot of tenants now we're getting into winter um, and a lot of up north, a lot of the states are only doing outdoor dining. So that's like obviously extremely uncomfortable for customers. So they want patio seating. Um, and, and now going into winter, obviously, like Florida is the best place to have outdoor seating and they're not really going to be able to do that up north now. So I think it's even more of a push in this time of the year to come down here too. Kara and John, I actually have a question for both of you because this is something I've been sure. curious about and you just reminded me of it. Are they, is there any solutions for that as far as, you know, these tapes up north that outdoor seating and it's, is there, what, have you guys seen any like cool, you have heat different... lamps. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much it. Well, I've heard that uh, heat lamps, obviously, but I actually just heard recently from a friend that um, some restaurants are getting like um, blankets made and stuff with their logo on it to give to people outside <laughs> to like help them and, you know, make them warmer when they're sitting outside. But I don't know. I mean, I, you can't really when it starts to get to like the 30s, 20s, like you're it's probably going to be. Miserable. So so basically, there's you no can also drink a lot and then you just won't feel how cold you are. That's That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have a that's beer what, blanket. That's point yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do, right? In 10 degree weather, 20 degree weather, I think anyone, even the most comfortable person in cold weather is still very uncomfortable eating outside, sitting there in I'm, the wind, freezing their I'm, ass off. I'm cold right now. And it's For 70 sure. degrees. Yeah, I'm freezing now. <laughs> I feel great. You guys got to toughen up over there. All right, um, that, that was great. So I, I'm, I'm also curious... On the, the centers that that you handle back to the South Florida, Central Florida, West Florida conversation. And we don't need mm -hmm. to get into specific numbers, but sure. what are the rental rates look like? You know, and again, not talking mm -hmm. about specifics here, but are yeah. the rents in South Florida, um, you know, significantly more on a perfect basis yeah. here than the other markets? Yeah, for sure. Um, South Florida, I have some, I have a center here uh, where we're getting mid 50 we're getting fifties to mid fifty rents, mm. um, base rents. And, you know, that's kind of typical as you know, cause John, you do a lot of leasing in Miami where I don't, um, Miami is probably the most expensive area. And, you know, you could talk more about it, but rents here could get up to a hundred a foot, mm. you know? So, um, it's definitely more expensive down here. And then in central Florida, I would say you could, where I have centers, like you could get in the thirties and then, uh, West Florida, it's maybe more like 20s. John, most of your, you're, you're mainly in the 20s, aren't you? <laughs> 120s, yeah, 120s. <laughs> um, depends. I mean, we, we had some stuff, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, 30s net. Um, I'd say the bulk of our work is probably 50s to 70s net. And then we also have yeah. some high street stuff, Lincoln Road, you know, prime Brickle stuff on South Miami Avenue where, we're in the triple digits, you know, 150s to 200 a foot net. So it really depends. It also depends on the type of tenant. Yeah. So those are nice yeah. deals. But John, I have a question for you, actually. <laughs> when yeah, you have up? those like very high, when you have the very high rent, like kind of high profile spaces, 
there's there must be like a limited amount of tenants who can actually take on that kind of rent right so is it harder to lease those kind of spaces yes uh definitely i wish it was easier because that would be awesome (laughs) um it's it's certainly tough and really at the end of the day rent's a factor of sale make enough money you can pay whatever the rent is uh it really just goes back to the occupancy costs and you know depending on the type of business there's also, depending mm-hmm. on the concept, you know, a branding element to, you know, paying these high rents to be on the, you know, the main and main corners and the premier flagship spaces. Right. So you really can't even put a dollar amount on, you know, something like that specifically yeah. because it's invaluable, especially if you have international, uh, I guess, an international presence where if you can be on Lincoln Road, it might not be mm-hmm. your most profitable store, but those 12 to 13 million visitors a year to Lincoln Road that are going to pass by your business are then going to fly yeah. back home and go to your locations because they recognize it from their vacation in Miami Beach on Lincoln Road. So you can't really right. put or your like thing- Or like shop in... online. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's another yeah. perfect example. You're right. So it's, it's hard to place a dollar amount on that. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, they're the highest rents because you'd imagine if you're doing well, that's where you're going to have your highest sales potential. So- Right. It, it's really is, you know, a factor of that rent versus sales and not everyone can pay the freight, but the ones that do need to feel 100% confident that they can justify it and, and make mm-hmm. sure that they, they can do the sales to actually pay that number. Yeah, for sure. So Kara, regarding your, your new deals that you've seen during this new norm of COVID, are you having to yeah. give, you know, more concessions, additional TI, more free rent, more abatement? in order to get deals mm-hmm. across the finish line? Because I know what I'm seeing, but I'm curious to hear what you're seeing at your centers. Yeah, so I am. I think that everybody in retail is dealing with that, right? But um, yep. there are certain uh, pain like points, I guess, that tenants are really having heartburn over. Um, obviously, force majeure is a big uh, sticking point. People are putting it in the LOIs now, which is interesting. We try to push it off to lease just because it's such a hard thing to uh, negotiate right now because tenants want to put in the lease in their force majeure language that, you know, they want to outline, oh, if we have to be shut down or if we have to decrease our occupancy at any level, we can have X amount of time free. Yep. And it's kind of like you can't really agree to that upfront because number one, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And number two, there's just so many different, every tenant is different. Like, like I said, if it's a, say it's a fast casual restaurant and they're technically forced to close their dining room, but yet their sales are still through the roof, but they want free rent for three months. Like that, that just doesn't make sense. Right. And then also you would have to try to put some type of outside date on that. Like they can't have free rent for more than X amount of months, regardless of if, you know, what the governmental restrictions are. So it's kind of like, you can't really put, uh, it's made up. Guidelines it's, it's literally all, it's, it's all made up, right. It's whatever that person feels comfortable with. And it's, yeah. it's a give and take and it's never out tenants- of no, it's, yeah, exactly. It's never happened before. So no one really knows what to do. There's yeah. no standard language to get over it, right. to agree on. Right. One right. situation is different. Every type of business is, is different. And yeah. tenants seem to quickly forget that the landlords also have their own obligations. They're also going to mm-hmm. suffer. Their mortgages. In the instance. Exactly. So yeah. tenants ask for the world just saying, what about my business? What about my business? If this happens or that happens, but they quickly forget that the landlord albeit they own the property. So they might be in good shape. Mm-hmm. They still will yeah. suffer in the same, you know, in a similar sense, if there is that same shutdown. So it makes it tough. For, and that's why sure. it's all made yeah. up. Yeah. And there's also some people like I, I would hope nobody would do this, but there are some tenants who are still doing well, but just kind of want to break or maybe 
um, want to potentially take advantage of the situation. Uh, granted, not all people do this, but um, they may. So when we're kind of going into those kind of conversations, uh, it's a lot of looking through the P&Ls, the sales, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is that the whole rent relief thing, whether or not there's going to be shutdowns, it's always going to be a negotiation in the future. You can't put the guidelines on it now because you don't know what's going to happen. There's so many variables. Um, so that's a big sticking point now. Also, a lot of um, a big thing I'm seeing now that I never really dealt with before COVID is a huge pushback on personal guarantees or any kind of guarantees, I guess, um, which a personal guarantee, if people don't know, is um, when a corporation signs a lease, you may ask for a personal guarantee, which means um, the, the business owner or whoever it may be um, signs a guarantee saying that they are guaranteeing the lease and they're guaranteeing the, the payment of rent. Um, no matter what. And it's right. And it's a big deal because if tenants try to leave or they try to not fulfill their lease, you have that document to say, Hey, look, like you signed this, you said you would stay here for 10 years and pay me rent. You can't just leave after year one and, and not pay us anything. Um, so so usually with my old company with Beth, and she'll laugh if she hears this, but we were all full personal guarantees, no question asked. We never negotiated it. So I wasn't used to it when I came. COVID hit and all this. Like now uh, we're getting more creative with the guarantees, which I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's helping get deals done. Um, and I, I think that it, it's okay because we'll do maybe like a certain amount of time, full guarantee. And then after a certain amount of time, it becomes a one-year rolling guarantee or two-year rolling guarantee or something like that. So that means after the fifth year, if it becomes a one-year rolling, if they uh, terminate at any time after that fifth year, they owe us one year of rent, which is not horrible because if you have a full personal guarantee and the tenant, you know, they're not going to be like, all right, let me just pay you $300,000. You'll have to, you know, either come to a termination fee with them or chase like, them down, sue them, which is a pain. Sue them, yeah. So, and, and you probably won't end up getting more than a year anyways. So it's kind of works out either way. You know what I mean? Right, you so. usually don't get the, the yeah. full, the full term. We, um, sorry. What were you gonna say? No, no, I was gonna say, I, I, I'm with you there. And you know, for us on the tenant side, when we're repping tenants, we try to avoid a personal guarantee completely because we never want, you know, an actual person mm-hmm. to be liable for, for that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So we try to maneuver yeah, around sure. that through a letter of credit, which is a lot more secure at the end of the day. And then it's just, mm-hmm. you know, a factor of what's the fair amount for both sides, as far as a letter of credit, additional security, stuff like that. But yeah, right. it's, I, I, it makes sense that securitizing the lease is probably the most important thing you can do in today's time, because of the just for sure. given uncertainty in today's market, you don't know if you know, a business that seems foolproof today, and then no matter what they do, they'll be successful. If that's going to be the mm-hmm. case in six months or two years from now, you really don't know. So securitizing yeah. especially the if you're, is crucial. Yeah, especially if you're giving them money, especially if you're investing in the space and investing sure. in their business, right. you know? You, yeah, yeah. You want to know that you're, you're, they're not going to walk out tomorrow and leave you with a, with this empty space, so. Not to mention the, you know, the commissions that the landlord's paying out that they'd be you know, out of pocket for. And that's actually a good, good segue into one of my last questions, which would be if, if you could explain to us how it works, because you do leasing for all of these mm-hmm. shopping centers for invest trust, but mm-hmm. you also have brokers on your centers that you also hire and work for sure. the leasing. Can you 
talk to everyone listening and, and kind of explain that mm -hmm. dynamic of how it works, you being in-house working with brokers side by side to lease your centers? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, when I was with Beth, I was just the leasing agent on all the, on the, all the centers. And it, honestly, it was, it was just me and her and Josie, who's awesome. She was the um, operations director of operations and it was a small company. So it was just me and Beth and we would just do it together. So when I moved to Inventrust, it's obviously a whole different setup. It's a huge uh, re nationwide, a bunch of employees. Like it was a huge change for me. Um, and I started working with brokers. So I uh, oversee all of Florida. So I have, um, I have 10 centers and some of them are two centers in one, um, but not to get into that. I have a decent amount of space um, and it's all in different markets. So I live in South Florida and then my centers can either be three or four hours away from me. Um, and all the markets are very, very different. So it's important to have, I think it's very important to have good brokers in those markets um, who are kind of like ears and eyes, you know, listening and looking around for deals going on in that market and um, kind of knowing the ins and outs of who's expanding and whatnot um, and being able to, you know, meet tenants out there if they want to see the space tomorrow and that kind of thing. So we have uh, brokers on all of our properties and it's great because they have the knowledge of those markets. Maybe they're from there. Um, and so work on our properties, bring us deals. Um, and we, I have a great relationship with all of my brokers. We talk like either every day or at minimum once a week. Um, and they'll bring us deals and they will, you know, present it, obviously gather the financials and uh, show them the space. And then if it's a legit deal and we go to LOI, I'll help them negotiate it. So we'll get on a call, go through all the LOIs, um, you know, discuss what we think is acceptable or not. Um, and then once we get that wrapped up, then I kind of take it from there um, and bring it in house and uh, present it to my team and kind of create like a deal approval. Uh, it has to go through um, an approval process. It could be two to maybe four people, depending on how large the space is. Um, and they're just making sure that it's the best thing for the property. It matches up with the budget. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to, uh, give value to the property. And then at that point, uh, we go to lease and then I work with our in-house counsel and our outhouse, um, and our out of house counsel to negotiate the lease. So it's, it's kind of a long process. Um, uh, so actually have that, that meeting next week, right. For, for JLL to sit down and take over your entire portfolio. <laughs> what, what was that on Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds a lot say. easier. I have to say we have amazing brokers. They're really great. They're awesome. You guys are amazing too, but we're, we're very <laughs> know, loyal to them, <laughs> but um, it, it's a big, it's a long process. And there's, since we do have pretty large centers and we have a decent amount of product, there's a lot going on internally too, every day, like renewals, assignments, termination, all these things that we um, as in-house leasing agents have to deal with. So there's definitely a lot going on. So the brokers help uh, kind of like be feet on the street, um, prospecting and everything, you know, on the day to day. So it's an awesome, I really like the setup, actually. I was, I was concerned at first because I was like, I've never had other leasing agents on my properties, but it works out really great and they're awesome. We have great relationships. So I, I really like it. All right. Well, good. This, that was some great perspective. I really appreciate you. You really put me down uh, in the full well, really in its entirety for, for everything that you, I think this was great for everyone listening. I know, Tyler, you had a wrap-up question. I did. High level separate from 
what Kara does on a day-to-day, but more so a piece of advice, would you call it, Tyler? A, p- like a piece of advice. Episode seven? Episode seven? We're on episode, episode seven, seven, baby. So Kara. <laughs> lucky, number lucky number seven. seven. You are lucky number oh, seven. Yeah. So we've all pretty much known each other since good old FSU days. We've all seen each other start mm-hmm. and grow in our careers. And I'm curious, yeah. for those that are soon mm-hmm. graduating from FSU, hopefully, or wherever, um, what would be your mm-hmm. best words of advice for someone fresh out of school, trying to get into whatever industry they're getting into? What would be, be your, your piece of advice for them? Yeah. Sure. So I actually have two things, two pieces of advice. Um, the first one is definitely find a great mentor. Um, I know that Tyler, you, we talked about this a little bit before. It's so important, especially in real estate, because there's so many brokers out there looking, uh, fighting for the same space, you know, fighting to be the best. It's really important because you can get lost in the shuffle to have a mentor who's really going to take the time to train you. Cause a lot of people really aren't, you know what I mean? They'll tell you, Oh, go mm-hmm. canvas and just leave and don't come back till right. the end of the day. And you know, that's great for experience, but you really need to learn the ins and outs and how to negotiate and how to think about a deal and what's good. And the only way to do that is to really be with somebody who's, who's really knowledgeable and has experience uh, in the industry every day, like just listening to their calls, following them around, going to showings with them. So that's really the, I'd say the most important thing um, is to start off in a place where you know someone is going to be willing to really train you and kind of have stock in your success. So they well really said. want you to do well and learn. Yeah, I could not agree yeah, more. So, yeah, so that's number one. I think that's the most important. And number two, which I think is important, which young, young people or maybe new people might uh, not, you know, maybe they think they need to act like <laughs> – they know what they're talking about in the beginning. Like some people say, fake it till you make it. That is not the way to go into real estate or probably any career. Um, like you need to know what you're talking about, especially in complicated deals. Um, and when you're talking to attorneys and different brokers and maybe directors of real estate um, and, you know, even just simple conversations day to day, like you need to know what you're talking about. You can't just pretend like you can't know what you're it. talking about. And I think, Yeah. And I think that young people do that sometimes. Um, And I just have a funny story really quick um, about that. When I was brand new and I was going on interviews and meeting with people, I had a meeting with Hugh Chen, who um, is at Saglo. He's a big name in the industry. And I was one of my first meetings. I didn't even have a job. um, And I was so nervous. And I was like, I don't know what to talk about. I didn't even go to school for this. Like, what do I say? And my brother, who gave me good advice, but also has given me questionable advice, he was like, uh, you know, talk about cap rates and what they look for in properties. And I'm like, okay, sure. Not <laughs> even knowing what that meant. And I go to the meeting and I'm sitting there nervous and he's talking and then he's like, so like, do you have any questions? And I was like, um, well, what kind of cap rates do you look for <laughs> when you're buying properties? And he looked at it. me and he's like, he literally goes, what do you know about cap rates? And I was like, uh, <laughs> what do you know about cap rates? Nothing. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, nothing. He's like, all right, take out your notepad and start writing this. That's and it. I was just like, oh, God. And that was my like um, moment where I was like, all right, I'm never going to act like I know what I'm talking about if I don't fully understand what I'm talking right. about. Because people can smell that and they'll know and you'll just look dumb. You know <laughs> Especially what I mean? Especially someone like you, Chad. No, that's, he knows that's what he's awesome. talking about. 
that's also great advice. It, it's so much better to just say, you know what, I'm totally sure. Let me confirm. Let me find out. And I get back to you. And then you learn for next time. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Well, uh, John, I'll toss it back to you. That, that covers my wrap-up question. There we go. Great job out there, Ty. Start. Close to the stars. Um, Close to the yeah, stars. lastly, so as we always <laughs> like to end it, Kara, no pressure. But this is the biggest question that everyone mm-hmm. listens to. If we save it for the end, people tune in. They're on the edge of their seats. We want to know, what do you think about four? What are your favorite memories? And is there anyone that you met at four, one of our events, because you've been coming for probably three years since the very beginning, that mm-hmm. you want to say what's up mm-hmm. to? Give them a shout out. Sure. So I'm a big four proponent. You, you. I'm there every, every event, right? Yep. Pretty much. Every event. I go to every single one. I would like to call myself the four sweetheart. <laughs> it might hopefully it catches on. Um, but I love four. I think it's awesome. Honestly, I, I rave about it. It's just like, it's such a cool spot. Cause like you can talk about business, but also it's all like, it's a, it's a good amount of people our age who are there to like socialize network, but also like, just like make really good friends For in the sure. industry. So I feel like my experience with four has been really strengthening friendships in a way where like when we see each other, we're not just talking about your last deal. You're just talking about like, oh, hey, like, what'd you do this weekend? Like, what'd you do then? And then you really just become actual best friends with them, which helps you um, later on down the line. And I've gotten a lot closer to a ton of people in four. I feel like me and one of my best friends, Jonah Twist, he's with Tristar. Jonah, Jonah. We got a lot of you, Jonah. Yeah, so we got a lot closer through that. And we're like best friends now. We call each other all the time and we talk about like, we talk about life, but also it's, it's helpful because we talk about, you know, deals. And if we need advice, we're like have an open conversation where we're not afraid to like sound dumb. So it's a beneficial relationship. Um, and I think that it just strengthened all of our friendships and it'll help us down the line in business. So I can't say enough good things about four. hundred yeah, percent. Thank you. That was great. Great answer. I'm, I'm great. blushing right now. You can't, you can't <laughs> tell, but I'm blushing. I teared up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, you always tear up dude. <laughs> come on bro um, <laughs> all right well thank you so much Kara. this was excellent we definitely got this was so see, fun it's great uh we got a lot of great information i'm sure everyone that's listening probably learned something we now know a little bit more about what you do on a day-to-day basis we definitely covered a everything retail related i loved it tyler you did great um, thanks man any last words or are we all good we signed off i think we're good let's go uh Let's go out on the Let's town. Let's hit the town. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> thanks, Kara. All right. Thanks for having no me. Problem. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Four Peers and Beers podcast. As always, follow us on Instagram at Future of Real Estate and tune in to further podcasts on Spotify.